0: One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. One in six. That little girl sitting alone at the playground, she can't play like the other kids. She doesn't have the energy because she's hungry. School lunch will be her only meal today. It breaks my heart that this is the reality in our country, but it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. This food is then provided to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about using your imagination, learning, and having fun. These children shouldn't have to miss out on simply being a kid because they're hungry. To find out how you can help end childhood hunger in your community, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council.
1: The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward looking statements that may not come true. Securities and Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch and Associates are unaffiliated companies. And, folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only.
2: Well, good morning and welcome to Saturday in the Studio. Pardon me, I'm Tom King, and I am here. Merle Kelch is on location today, but we are live. 715-845-2155, the number to call if you have a question for Merle. Good morning, sir.
3: Well, good morning, Tom. It's 75 and beautiful here in Western Wisconsin.
2: <laughs> uh, somehow I'm <laughs> doubtful about that, but okay. Um, and- well, I did get
3: up this morning at uh, 6 o'clock and did some physical snow shoveling. Now, the reason for this is that we have some friends coming over. And uh, I had to turn the smoker on this morning and uh, get it ready to go. So uh, it is rolling. And, yes, you can smoke in a snowstorm, and that's what we're doing for the day. And I had to shovel snow to make this happen. You actually this shows commitment, Tom.
2: <laughs> you actually shoveled and didn't just get the plow out and plow everything out with your truck?
3: No, where I had to be, I had to actually pull out the shovel. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the paddles and oxygen ready in case needed. <laughs> Indeed. And uh, we made it through. Well, I think a lot of people are doing that as we speak. Maybe they
2: have their headsets on and are listening to the program. Guys in the plow trucks are probably listening as well. And they want to get your take on the uh, on the financial markets. And I, I saw an, uh, a headline on CNBC, and maybe this is a place we can start. It says, stocks heading for a rare third straight year of double-digit returns. What happens next? Now, obviously, in the yeah. past couple of weeks, we've been hearing all of the whining and, and teeth gnashing about inflation, but the market's don't seem to care they've bounced back nicely it appears and uh, uh i think the, the the dow closed at a record high friday for the first time since february for the best finish since february so
3: yeah i mean we, we had a lot of knee-jerk reaction happening over the course of the last few weeks and uh even at our office we were poised to start doing some buying and we just kind of held off saying well let's let's wait to see where it settles out and, and it's all really because of the uh, omicron uh, which, uh, by the way, if you scramble that, I think it says moronic, by the way, just happened to notice that thing. Um, but nonetheless, you know, everything, you know, are we going to have to shut down the economy again? Or are people going to get sick? Or are numbers going to get higher? And we just had all kinds of knee jerk reactions happening all over the marketplace. And it seems to have straightened itself up fairly really good. And, and so as a result of that, we look ahead and say, what's going to happen inside of 22? And so 22 is kind of a mixed bag. But when I still look at the bottom line of companies, we still see profits continue to keep moving forward. And I think we see the economy and the marketplace continue to keep moving forward next year as long as we don't have a couple of things happen that we've talked about many times. A dramatic rise in interest rates. Now, tapering is going to happen, and the marketplace is already putting in two to as many as 3% increases of interest rates from the Federal Reserve next year. Now, they're not going to be big ones, folks. We happen, the general consensus is maybe a quarter of a point each. Um, uh, so with that, it should not affect it. We're watching what happens with corporate tax rates. And it looks like that may also be put on hold with the, uh, build back, uh, better program, whatever it is. I'm um, having a 50, 50 shot and that number going down or percentage going down the passing throughout the course of this year. Now remember Tom, inside of that contained uh, corporate tax rates and this whole bit, um, in, taxes to pay for it on people making uh 400,000 up. Um, even though some of the congressional uh, budget offices said that's, it's not true. Uh, but, uh, It'll bleed out to everybody. So those things can hold off. We should see still continue to see some nice gains in the marketplace throughout the course of next year. Those things are going to change next year just because of the rising interest rate environments. Remember back in 2014, Tom, when we had some tapering at that point in time when we shut it off, and at that point in time, Chair Bernanke um, uh, appears to have taken it up too fast and we had big swings in valuations in the marketplace on a regular basis until so they slowed it down and said, hey, we're going to do this slower. So we'll see what happens, but we've done this before. We've seen it before, so I don't think we have as much of a whipsaw as we've seen happen in the past.
2: Does it help so Does it help ahead. to have a Secretary of the Treasury who used to be the head of the Federal Reserve? Uh, is, that, is there some cohesion there that maybe isn't there in some other t- points in history?
3: I'll tell you what, my friend. I think the answer is yes. The unfortunate part is the Secretary of, Chair of, of, of Treasury, who, by the way, I thought did a really good job on the Federal Reserve, um, um, but seems to keep falling into party lines rather than being independent. And I guess that's the nature of the beast of the Treasury versus the Federal Reserve. But I do think that there's some benefit to that, at least from a conversational standpoint. Again, they have some beliefs because they know how the, the Fed works. So hopefully we'll go with that. Now, the inflation component of this, I and mean, again, I was reading an article this morning with uh, Brian Westbury, who's uh, my favorite economist by far. Um, and he works, uh, his firm is uh, First Trust out of Chicago. And so, with it, they were having a conversation about inflation that, you know, we're going to see inflation as high as it's been since the 80s. Um, this is from way back when uh, Paul Booker tried to, you know, suck up all the cash by increasing interest rates to 20%. Um, and so, in, in the process of doing all this sort of stuff, um, he said that the economy doesn't do real well, nor does the marketplace investors, but we keep putting in government interjection and in stuff, such as, we're going to put a whole bunch of stimulus out. Okay, now we're going to take all the stimulus away. Now we're going to do a whole bunch of projects and increase interest rates and lower interest rates. Market doesn't like that. Just keep things steady. Let the market figure it out. Was his conversation in the middle of the year. And so with it, you know, you, you look at that as investors, and I'm kind of uh, um, compressing a number of articles and I'll cite a couple of them here, folks, in a bit. But uh, so so investors wonder what what is it that we can do in the middle of all this? And and you know why does inflation matter all that much from an investing standpoint? Well. Tom, if you go to the grocery store, which I, I know you do, we're, we're all noticing a difference on the bottom line. I mean, we see what's happening with groceries and expenses. And, you know, I went to buy grapes yesterday, and I was just about four with the grapes. Then they looked like they looked terrible at all. I got them anyway because they already looked like you were fermenting. And I thought, well, <laughs> grapes wine, I mean, we're getting there. <laughs> so, so then I looked at the organic, and they, they really weren't much better. I guess organic organic mold is just as good as regular mold, I suppose. I won't name the name of the store, nonetheless. Uh, but we see it. So so here's the bottom line what happens, Tom. When we invest money with uh, you and everybody out there, and if you're driving, pull over and take notes. This is some of the best stuff I got. That's an attempt at humor. Don't pull over and take notes. So, so in, investing is, is a three legged stool, as I've uh, always said. And we have a, a growth, uh, we want growth to our portfolio, we want income to our portfolio, we want stability to our portfolio. And if we lean to say, I want income only, we do it at the expense of growth and stability. Obviously, if we want stability, we want to, we do it at the expense of growth and income, such as, for example, if we want the stability and the guarantees of CDs. So all that stuff always has to have a balance and a mix and a shift back and forth, depending on what's happening from the macroeconomic marketplace, which is you know what we're doing today, looking at what's going on for 22, are the markets going to be the same, et cetera, et cetera. But the biggest one is inflation. So we take this inflation number, six point eight percent inflation. And if we subtract taxes from that, Tom, and I put twenty percent in here, so that'd be the federal and state together. So it's just a ballpark, um, uh, you know, a little bit extra in there. But I come up with one point four percent tax on that six point eight percent inflation. If it weren't actually an investment, so we subtract one point four from the six point eight, and that gives us um, we have to beat five point four percent of our money to get what's called real return. That means real money that's going in our hand that we're not paying for inflation and taxes. And so we look at that and say, well, geez, um, the the CDs aren't cutting it because we're going backwards. Literally, if you have a CD and you're earning 1.5% or 2%, inflation itself is going to suck that up, plus or minus 4%. We haven't put taxes to it yet. And so that's the trouble that we look at from an investment standpoint is that we have to have a real rate of return long term. No way around it. We have to have that. And so, right now, you have to beat five point four percent to be able to do so. They so have to have something invested inside of the marketplace. It you says, can't go to municipal bonds because the yield isn't there for them.
2: Well, the story story suggests that stocks, uh, you know, for the third straight year have double digit returns. Now, obviously, not everybody's portfolio is going to have a return of over ten percent. What are the right. por- What are the portfolios that are doing that well? What kind of split are they looking at when it comes to the investments?
3: of investments as far as what to have it really depends upon your ability to sleep at night. Um, you know, we, we we have we have clients this year that are up twenty percent. We have clients this year that are up seven percent. And and the difference between the two. are well, let's say the, let's,
2: let's say you want to get ten percent because I think everybody would yeah. be happy with ten percent. I mean, obviously twenty percent is an outlier, and maybe you know four or five percent is an outlier the other way. Everybody at this point in time would be would be happy with ten percent. What Mm -hmm. kind of portfolio do you have to put together to get that kind of return?
3: Just a good old-fashioned, boring, diversified portfolio between stocks and bonds. Um, You you have the ability to get those types of rates of returns. Um, In the past two years, very easily to get those types of rates of returns. Now, that said, we're talking about last year. Next year might be a different story. What's interesting, Tom, just to share a story, um, we have clients that will come in and say, I don't want anything inside of the stock market. I'm afraid of it, but I want to get a little bit better than the rate of return. What do you got? So we come up with some suggestions and investments and build a portfolio for them. So then as soon as they see the stock market go up 15 or 20%, they say, I want to go there. And so then we always have to remind them and say, remember, you didn't want any risk and vol- volatility like the stock market. And uh, with that, did you remember that? Yep, yep. But i will willing to take it. I say, well, uh, no, you're not. Uh, you know, so we have to bag people down. Everybody wants to chase the returns." But diversified portfolio, um, you know, having a, a stock and bond mix um, is a good portfolio and your stocks are d- diversified between small, medium, large, growth, value, international. Um, you're going to get there. I mean, uh, will you have years of negative? Absolutely. Will you have years of, of more than 10%? Absolutely. And when? We don't know that part. If we knew that, uh, our world would be a whole heck of a lot easier. Um, but you have to have that diversified portfolio. Now, we can see it inside of our portfolios. Clients that we have uh, portfolios that contain contain thirty or forty percent bonds, uh, they're at they're near at the, the the eight nine percent rates of returns this past year. Those that contain no bonds um, are more up in the uh, seventeen to twenty percent range. We're seeing uh, fairly commonly this year. Um, so it all depends upon that diversification, but that's where you have to sit down, folks, with your financial advisor. I'm sorry, financial professional. <laughs> Uh, yes, and it does not mean making up that term, uh, and chat with them about what it is that you want to achieve in your portfolio, whether it's within your 401K, your IRA, or just money you have saved on the side, because we have to make sure we have the ability to make some adjustments, especially now coming up into a, a time where we could go from a growth economy to a recessionary economy. And I don't know that we do. We just It just looks like something could change throughout 22. Uh, to to 23. So we All have right. to have the ability to have that conversation.
2: Let's take a break here. We'll come back and maybe you can talk a little bit about some, what some of those adjustments might be in a situation like it. that. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more. You're listening to Making Financial Sense with Merle Kelch on WSAU. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of SIN 9 and 95.1
1: WSAU. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only.
2: And we're back in the studio. I'm Tom King. Merle Kelch joining us on location today, hunkered down in the snow. But he can take your questions, 715-845-2155, the number to call. So before the break, we were talking about looking ahead to 2022. And the story that I saw on CNBC it said uh, stocks heading for a rare third straight year of double-digit return. What happens next? And that's mm-hmm. the that's the the, the big Million dollar question, what happens next? And you were talking about yeah, yeah. adjustments that some folks may need to make because of changes coming uh, to the markets and to the economy. Uh, so, what kind of adjustments are you talking about in a situation yeah, like
3: some, that? Some of the things we want to chat about again, talk with your financial professional folks because you might have to make adjustments based on what goes on your portfolio and you have returns. But there is an article that's out there on uh, Market Watch this morning, and uh, it's called Deep Dive, is always, the, the section that they have, but it's by Philip. Uh, van Dorn, and i'm really coming to respect him as a writer because he really comes up with some tremendous um uh, uh math and and uh, chart and science and that whole bit and i'm kind of a geek with that stuff and some stuff that you know we know about you learn about inside of college and you go oh yeah that's right and you look at this stuff you know we had to study it in college but this you know computers are easier folks they may get a whole heck of a lot faster so if you're a stock trader out there and you're looking for income, I want you to try to find this article, folks, because obviously because of what we do, we can't give the names of the companies that they're talking about in here. But his research is fantastic in here. So the list of the name of the article is here's a list of favorite dividend stocks with room to pay uh, more for investors worried about 2022. And so, you know, we talked about this. If you have you know portfolios that inflation is creating a negative rate of return. Um, or we have portfolios we're concerned about next year that you know maybe uh, uh, companies don't have what they uh, do what they've done from a rate of return standpoint they need to put some sort of a, a backbone to it but one of those places are going to stocks that pay a really good dividend and still have the potential to grow and so inside of this article folks uh, they talk about what's called a free cash flow yield um, we use a little bit different name and you know when I went to school and over the years but but I really love the math on that. And essentially what they do is you take the annual free cash flow. That's the the money that's over and above paying for the bills and the taxes and everything else for a company. It's the money they have left over to do different things with. And you divide it by the current share price. And obviously they're doing this per share. Um, And so with it, they want that free cash flow that can be used for either doing dividend buybacks, research and development, buying other companies or for expansion of the company. So in this article, what they're looking for is high dividend yielding stocks. That have a dividend of a minimum of three percent or more. By the way, the dividend of three percent or more is twice what CDs now. Obviously, when you get a stock that's not guaranteed, where a CD is, um, but the yield is higher. Remember, uh, Tom, back in the you know forties and fifties, people that buy a stock for the growth; they bought it for the dividend. Um, and you remember the old S&H green stamps? You you cut off your, your 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 things for the bonds, you send them in, they send you a check back. But I've asked you to stash the dividends.
2: I've asked you this before. But, you know, it just seems to me that you would want to buy all companies that pay dividends. Why wouldn't you want to buy a company that pays you a dividend?
3: I'll tell you what, my friend, it's one of the things I like to look for because if they're paying dividends, it means they're making profit, which is kind of handy. Um, And you never see a company that can't make profit
2: continue to keep paying dividends because they can't afford it after Are there mutual funds that only have companies that pay dividends in them? Lots of them. Yeah.
3: Um, Which is, uh, you know, dividend – you know, there's there's some that – only by companies that not only pay dividends, but continue to increase their dividends. So there's a lot of them that are out there and the high quality stuff and good stuff. We try to use them wherever we can. So the other thing that they did inside of this article is they pulled up and said buy ratings. So you go through the various buy ratings and in here they're using FactSet, which is a fact checking company that at least had analysts, at least five analysts saying buy the stock. And then finally, they wanted to make sure it had this excess cash flow that we're talking about before and uh, list access to cash flow yield. And so in here, they come up with a, a list of companies. And what they found is companies that make a profit, but now their stock prices coming back too. And a lot of them are in the energy sector. Uh, banking sector becomes a number of them. Um, but it's those types of companies because they, they're they selling product again where it slowed down so much inside of the pandemic. But it's a fantastic article. So again, where do we where do people tend to look at? they'll tend to start looking at companies that have a higher dividend yield to them. Now, that said, I have an asterisk that I put inside of my notes today that says, watch out, because uh, you can find high dividend yields, and that doesn't mean it's a good company. Uh, let me give an example. Uh, Tom, if you wanted to find a company that had a, a dividend yield, which means they're paying a dividend out based upon their stock price of 8 or 9%, can you find it? The answer is yes. Do you want to buy it? Potentially no, Sometimes a company will pay a higher dividend yield to continue to keep you attracting liquidity into their stock, even though they're not making enough to pay the di- dividend, how, how can you, um, how, and that becomes a problem.
2: How can you tell when a company is doing that?
3: Uh, easy. you look if they're selling, if they're making any money on the bottom line. If it says a company is losing money, but they're paying an 8% dividend, uh, there's, there's a problem. Uh, no matter what you do, there's going to be a problem. You can't continue to afford to do that. So either the dividend comes down or the company goes broke, something like that's going to occur. But some of those things you have to watch out for. And again, uh, why the financial industry is out there to help people? Uh, we can help you uh, see some of those red red signs, if you will, I suppose.
2: All right. And, to, yeah, you have to finish up. We'll go ahead before we no, take a break. Go ahead.
3: Go ahead and take the break. We're All right. Good.
2: All right. We'll take a break here for some news. We'll come back with more as we head toward the end of the year. A lot of people looking for at, at the tax situations, and I would imagine there are some things we can talk about as far as that goes. And we'll do that with Merle Kelch next. You're listening to Making Financial Sense with Merle Kelch on WSAU.
0: When I was in Iraq, our convoy was hit. It was bad.
2: After I came home, I could still hear booms and see tracer fire. Makes it hard to be a good mom. As America's veterans face challenges, DAV is there.
0: I'm Naomi Mathis, Air Force veteran.
2: With the right support, more veterans can reach victories great and small.
3: With help from DAV, I was able to begin to
2: heal. DAV provides a lifetime of support to veterans of every generation, helping more than a million veterans each year. Today, I'm part of DAV. We're veterans helping veterans to get the benefits they've earned. And I give my veterans my all. But there's more to be done and more victories to be won. My victory is being able to be here for my children. Naomi Mathis, thank you for your service. May your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org.
1: Over 60 and retired? Making ends meet, especially at the supermarket, is tough. BenefitsCheckup.org is a free website that helps you pave for food, medicine, even utilities. Visit
2: BenefitsCheckup.org. Schedule their checkup? It's a superhero moment. Call your pediatrician today.
1: The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities investment advisory services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch and Associates are unaffiliated companies.
2: And folks, this program is
1: intended for Wisconsin residents only.
2: And we're back. I'm Tom King in the studio. Marole Kelch joining us on location today, but he can still take your questions. Uh, You know, we're getting closer to the end of the year. Folks will be getting their property tax bills in the mail here in the next week or so. And I would imagine they'll not only be looking at paying those, but also looking at setting up their portfolios for the next year as far as tax ramifications and maybe tax Mm -hmm. savings go. What are some things that they need to be looking at from that standpoint?
3: Well, you know, from a, from a tax standpoint, I, I I caution people to consider this. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with capital gains for next year. Um, capital gains tax has actually has been proposed to go a number of different ways. We heard that, you know, rather than having a 15% after having a, a, an investment for more than a year, it's going to be go up to ordinary income or even potentially higher, on what your income is. We 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 don't know what's going to happen, but that's what's been proposed at this point in time. Again, I think it's going to be all based upon this Build Back Better thing that's going on with the current administration. So so with that, um, uh, we look at it and say, well, if there's a stock that you've been wanting to sell, or you want to sell some stock and you want to uh, do something else with it and it's not inside of an IRA, of course, uh, this may not be a bad year to do it before the end of the year. Granted, we only have a few days left, uh, but we know what the tax rates are going to be this year as we still don't know what's going to happen next year or the year after and so that may not be a bad thing to consider from a tax planning standpoint, saying, you know, let's go ahead and, and take that knowing what we know uh, versus knowing what we don't know, and that might be the, the better option to do. So so that's one of the biggest ones that we're seeing out there right now. Capital gains distributions appear to be pretty significant this year. Uh, mutual funds, of course, this time of the year have a capital gain distribution, um, and that capital gain distribution appears to be pretty good. And So a capital gain distribution simply means, folks, that um, you get the capital gain distribution, they reinvest in additional shares, and you make no more money. But you do have to pay taxes on the capital gain distribution. Isn't that great, Tom?
2: Yeah, it's fantastic.
3: Oh, yeah, I see. I love that. <laughs> That's, so, so, uh, so in it, um, we look at it again. So it's always the time of the year and saying, okay, are the funds we have the best ones we can get for the rate of return versus the amount of tax that we have to pay? Remember, those distributions also count as income for – um, you know, whether or not we're getting a uh, discounted health insurance through the Obamacare, uh, the Affordable Health Care Act, however you want to say it. Um, so all that sort of tends to come into play at this point in time. Um, and that's all those things we look at and say, well, um, uh, next year is this some conversation we want to have with our financial professional uh, to see if we're in the right place at the right time. So these are all things that are coming up. Another thing we want to look at, Tom, is um, a couple of things. Um, you know, we're talking about 22 and 23 and what are we doing afterwards? Um, but the thing comes up is, is we always called it the dogs of the Dow. And that was we look at our portfolio and saying, well, geez, what do we want to do for next year? So this not be more for a person as a stock trader. You know, the the general dogs of the Dow, the theory is that you take the, uh, the stocks that stunk the worst last year and you buy them for next year uh, because the things that were terrible last year tend to be the ones that are the best next year. And that tends to happen. Of course, it's never guaranteed. If we look at uh, – 1920 versus 21, the things that that stunk the worst in the Dow last year uh, for anything that had to do with oil and gas. Well, those are the ones that had some of the best returns throughout the course of this year. So we want to look at it and say, well, how are we positioned with that? Again, this is more for some of the individual stock traders that are out there, but that might be something we want to look at. There's another thing that popped up inside of an article, and folks, this is another one of those I want to give you some homework on if you want to read, because I think it's important and good, is an article by Mark Holbert. It's an opinion piece. But he says these six overvalued stocks are making the S&P 500 look more pricey than it really is. So if we take a look at um, uh, the six stocks, of course, I've got to turn my page here. Now, we take a look at Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Alphabet, and uh, Facebook. And I'm not saying these stocks are bad, and I'm not making it uh, be that way at all, folks. <clears throat> but they uh, account for 26% of the total market cap of the S&P 500. So those stocks really have um, uh, a skew in that S&P 500. So we had talked about it for the last couple of years and said it's really not the S&P 500, it's really the S&P 495, and then those five on top that seem to keep driving the numbers. And so what's happened inside of the article and the study that ha- that um, Mark Holbert has here is he goes back through the, uh, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, And said the top 10 stocks when we started and throughout the course of the decade tended to do terrible throughout the course of the next 10 years. And so that's the case. We should see that um, at some point in time, the Apple, the Microsoft, the Amazon, Google, Facebook, uh, Tesla's in there. um, We should see them tend to slow in the years ahead. Um, And so some of this happens to do because they're maturing inside of their particular business and they're getting more and more competition. So we want to be mindful of those sort of things as well. So what does it mean for the S&P 500? Well, we can see the S&P 500 certainly takes some sort of um, an adjustment because these stocks are now such a big portion of the S&P 500. Um, But there's other stocks that are in there that are still continuing to keep making money. uh, But we would probably see that the S&P 500, which I think is up some 22% uh, plus or minus right now this year, uh, we might see that its rate of return is not going to continue at that pace. Uh, which uh, uh, it's not going to continue at that rate anyway. So these are things that we all need to continue to keep looking at next year as we look at our portfolio uh, building for 2022 um, and moving ahead through these uncertain times um, over the course of the next two or three years.
2: All right, let's take a phone call here this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to?
3: Hi, this is uh, Ray calling from
0: Schofield. Hey, Ray, you're on with Merle. Go ahead. I'm calling about the Man of Honor ham program was supposed to go on today. Do you know anything about that?
2: Uh, I don't. I think it's still on. We're doing a live show right now, so we can't really talk about that. But uh, appreciate the call. I think that is still going on at Marathon Park, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Merle, have you heard anything about that? I know you've been uh, involved I'm, with that I'm before.
3: uncertain, but those guys are pretty resilient. My guess is it's still going on.
2: Yeah, okay. Okay. Um, 715-845-2155 is the number to call here if you have a question for Merle this morning. I saw, you mentioned Apple. I, I saw a story, just a headline on CNBC. and I, it's almost It almost seemed to me like a clickbait headline, but just to get people wound up. It's an article by Kelly Evans of CNBC, and the headline is, The iPhone is going away. And the first line of her story is uh, kind of a comical thing to say considering they're expecting to sell like 40 million iPhones during the holiday season. But she says that in her belief and other people's beliefs as well, the iPhone is already in its sunset years and that we're already looking at uh, or looking for the next big thing. And um, the situation with that, uh, that next big thing could be... uh, Apple goggles, and I'm not even sure what the Apple goggles do, but we've talked about Apple before about having to come up with that next big thing. And are we to that point now? And what does that do to Apple stock as an investment?
3: Well, I I think they have to have something new. Um, Apple's kind of coming into the company where competition is caught up to what they've done. Um, We can look at the, you know, right down to the point of having our, you know, wireless earbuds that go in our ears. Everybody has them. Um, Touchscreen telephones. Everybody has them. Everybody has some sort of a version of the uh, the Apple iPad now. So they have that. So so uh, so I think they need, as a company, to have that next thing if they want to stay on the top. You know, just as we just talked about before, you know, Apple's one of those companies that's been around for a long time, uh, doing very very well. Um, they need to have that idea to keep on top. You know, we we go through that kind of a, a, a product cycle where you reach. You know, critical mass. We are just growing tremendously, and then you tend to mature as a company and slow down. We've seen it happen with virtually all the companies that are out there, Apple included. And it seems like they're maturing unless they come up with that next idea that's just going to be a, a game changer and change how we do business and work. You know, Apple certainly did that with the iPhone and the iPad. I don't know about you, but my life has changed because of it. It just allows me to do so many things quicker these days. Um, and uh, the same thing. Oh, by the way, Tom. Um, I had to log into the IRS and set up an account there, and yes. I had to do face verification with my iPhone. Is that amazing?
2: And it, it it is amazing, and certainly, yeah, Apple has certainly changed the way most people live yeah. their lives. Whether or not you even have an iPad or an iPhone, uh, they have in, uh, you know induced other companies. To do things with, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, cellular communications and computers and all of that—they've been a game changer, no question about it. We've got a yeah. phone call. Let's yep. go. Let's go, let's go to the phone here for a moment. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Uh, this is John. Hey, John, you're on with Merle. Go ahead.
1: Morning, John. Hey,
0: Merle. I got a question for you. I've been kind of listening here this morning, and I don't mean to uh, take a left turn here or whatever, but I'm wondering what your thoughts are on. Rare earth metals, strategic metals, possibly copper, uh, as uh, an investment. Uh, oh, shall, I, shall I say, sector, uh, mm-hmm. and whatever you would have to say on that, I'd be interested in listening. You know, with you the know, in, uh, with the with the EV car thing and charging stations and. It looks to me like there's going to be a strong and a lot of these metals are these strategic elements and metals are a lot of them are controlled by China. And I don't really need to I'll just hang
3: up and listen to you. on that All right. Radio.
2: All right. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it.
3: You know, you know, John, you've hit upon something that um, we touched on with our clients and so forth about a year ago. Now, let me do say a couple of things. First of all. Um, uh, we put some clients inside of rare earth uh, ETFs uh, about a year ago and, and, and we're blessed they're up some 80% over the course of this past year for a rate of return. Not bad. 80? Eight zero. Uh, yeah, I think it was actually <laughs> eight, seven as of yesterday. This is not a break with Merle saying I'm that brilliant. That's, that's not the case, but, but the U S is that hungry to start getting this to the U S. So, so John, a couple things, rare earth U S has rare earth metals. I mean, there's no issue. It's just that from an ecological standpoint, they're really a bear to get out without causing a lot of problems. So there's a couple of companies that are out there, and again, I'm not going to say the names of them, uh, but they said, you know, we can do it ecologically. And so far, it looks like it's happening. And so with it, they're able to extract the rare earth that we have here in the U.S. and start using them in the U.S. The reason it's been happening inside of China for so long is China doesn't really care as much as we do about their ecology and uh, what's going on from that standpoint. So they're able to do it and sell it cheaper.
2: And the companies that are going into Africa as well. Africa has a lot of rare earth metals, and the companies go in there and just, you know, destroy the land to get them out. Trip them and get it
3: pulled out, right. And so so with this, um, I I, I always recommend use an ETF. We had clients at the same exact time that said, well, I want to buy some gold. I want to buy some silver. I want to buy this. I said, why don't we just simply do a rare earth that's going to cover all of them but it's also going to cover all those little things that we need inside of our cell phones and computers and, and uh, electric cars, all those little odiums that we can't pronounce. <laughs> yeah. and, and so it has turned out great. And So my recommendation is, is two things if you're looking at this. One, make it an amount that you can afford to lose at a casino because they have the, they have a history of being volatile. But I like the idea of U.S. chip manufacturers coming back, which we're seeing. Intel building plants coming back in the U.S. We see Samsung uh, putting $17 billion in a new chip-making facility. And I think it was in Texas. I'm I'm going from memory in there. And so we're going to need that stuff in the U.S. And I think the preference is to get it in the U.S. and not have to contend with China. So many people and businesses forget that China is a communist country. It's not free as we are. um, And business is different. They have the ability to shut stuff off which they just recently did essentially with uh, with Bitcoin. So it's it's a different animal over there, and I think we want to get back to some more predictability. And so I think rare earth metals are really good. So with an 80, again,
2: with an 87% return, do you take some money off the table at this point?
3: Um, we are going to. We have not as of yet for some of these clients, uh, but we're going to. Again, the amount of money we put in is, is the amount we can lose at a casino, and so it's, if it's lost, it's, it's not that big deal for, this, for these clients. Uh, but it's something that we put in, we made some money on it, we'll take some money off the table because I think we still have some legs to go in that um, in that marketplace as we're continuing to desire that as uh, manufacturing inside the U.S. Okay. So, and again, this is, this is my, my opinion piece on this, um, but I, I like the rare earths and, and they really have uh, paid off not because of a bet, but because we, from a manufacturing standpoint, want that. And There's a few companies that have the ability to make it or to uh, extract it ecologically in the U.S. these days.
2: All right. We need to take one more break. We'll come back with more. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. Now, this day. Here's Chris Connolly. A 12-acre field in Kentucky is one of the most polluted pieces of land in the entire country. Let's go there on this day, December 11th. Reflect the need to screen for associated disorders. Be sure to talk with your child's doctor about proper screening. And visit moretoadhd.com for additional information. That's more to ADHD.com. This message has been brought to you in partnership with Ada, ACO, and Chad.
1: The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Point Financial, Member FINRA, SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch and Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents
2: only. And we're back. I'm Tom King in the studio. Merle Kelch on location. We're getting near the end of the year, and maybe folks, just like they come up with New Year's resolutions, come up with some financial resolutions and decide they want to get all of their financial ducks in a row for once. And when they come and want to come and see somebody like you... What do they have to do in order to, uh, to come and see you? What should they gather together and bring on that first visit that you need to look at in order to get an idea of what has to be done?
3: Well, uh, Tom, you have, you have a great question there. and A lot of people say, you know, what do I need to bring? And, and folks, what's interesting is when you go to see a financial advisor, nobody ever wants to grab this stuff because nobody ever wants anybody to see their information. And it kind of uh, uh, makes me smile for a little bit because people come and say, well, I need help with this. And you ask questions, well, how much do you have in here? Well, I'd rather not say. Well, we, we can't help it if we don't know what you have. Uh, By so, the way, it sounds like you're doing the dishes right now. Well, you know what's happening here is that uh, my lovely bride, since I'm here working at home, uh, she's in back making noise, and she's making me breakfast right now as we speak. I see. So she's making me three eggs, bacon, toast, and some uh, and some. Uh, now, now you're making me huh? <laughs> no, she's she's laughing at me. She's not actually doing that at all. Well, tell her to stop um, paying
2: the dishes for a couple of minutes yet here, okay?
3: So so in here, um, when you go to see a financial advisor, I'm sorry, financial professional, got to get it right, um, when you go to see a financial professional, some of the best things you could do is take the stuff so they can take an MRI or take a peek into what's actually happening inside of your portfolio. And so with that being the case, you know, take takes stuff like, you know, last year's tax statement if you have it. And because the last year's tax statement tells you a lot of information, and it can tell you whether or not your taxes are up, you're having high capital gain issues, and whether or not you're going to be close to um, losing affordable health care, if that's the case. And so all that stuff comes in. Statements of all your investments, including 401Ks. You know, a financial professional that's worth their oats is going to help you, um, you know, straighten that out if you've got some problems in there from a diversification standpoint or missing something. they will help straighten it out, and the most of them, We'll do it for free for you if they start doing some other work or helping other areas to help you get that straightened out to help make that better. But all those things. And then sometimes we'll have people say, I have no idea how much I spend. Um, and so I'll say bring a, a three months for the base statement. Uh, and let's take a look at three months worth and we'll see if we can quantify and see where it is that the money is going off to. Um, and so, so that one becomes a, a biggie, quite honestly. Or just summarize it for yourself. I know we went through it. Uh, my wife and I, when COVID happened, we realized that we were spending a great deal of money um, going out for dinner, and uh, uh, I've resumed that now, but she has not. So <laughs> we're still half as much as we were pre-pandemic. Uh, uh, so, but bringing that stuff is, is is one of the biggest things, Tom. Is just bring that stuff in, and then have a list of questions you might want. There are questions that you want to have for the advisor. You know, how do you get paid? How much do you get paid? I think everybody should ask it for a financial advisor, I'm sorry, financial professional, how do you get paid, Um, how do you get paid from the various investment companies, Um, where does your compensation come from, is there any ongoing expenses or fees that we have to pay. Those are all fair questions I think you should ask all of them as you go in to see somebody.
2: All right, well, I guess we're just about out of time for today. If folks want to get a hold of you on Monday, how can they do that?
3: Well, folks, stopping in on Monday, perhaps we'll be done with snow shoveling by then. We'll be on 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street. Stop on in, say hello and hi, have a cup of coffee. Um, And uh, give us a call, should you choose, Uh, 715-849-3600. Outside of the Wausau area, 866-355-5100. Or find us online at kelsonassociates.com. And I think we got one more week yet here uh, before the end of the year. Yeah, uh, yeah,